very good. Hello, folks. Sean Mice here. And now I'm going to begin teaching on how to structure your coaching program. So we'll just jump right into it without, uh, you know, without further ado, we'll just jump right into it. And the first thing that I want to do is, is just take kind of a broad look at how you could potentially structure a coaching program. So I'm going to throw a lot of ideas out here. However, before I do that, let me say this, that, and I don't know exactly how many I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you a smorgasbord of ideas, things that you could put into a coaching program. I want to say this, it won't necessarily be complete. I mean, you can add anything that you have, that, that you have, that you normally deliver, that you like to deliver, there's something you see other people doing in your particular niche that's a service that you can add to your coaching program, then, you know, by all means, you can go ahead and add it. The, the, the second thing is, you know, I'm going to give you a number of ideas here, plus you're going to see other ideas that are just in your niche. You have ideas in your mind. You, you don't want to give people everything, okay? meaning that obviously you can give them all the knowledge, and you, what you don't want to do is give people a coaching program that gives them so many different ways to access the information that they're so totally overwhelmed and they don't know what to do next. Okay? So what I find works really, really well is to have three primary delivery paths for people to be able to access your coaching information. And the first path is a training core. So that training core, just as an example, might be a series of audios or it might be a series of videos or it might be a series of, of uh, PDFs, might be a series of tutorials. Okay? That would be your primary training mechanism. Okay? I only recommend one primary training me mechanism. So we'll get into a little bit more detail on what those could look like, but I don't recommend having you know, PDF lessons and audio lessons and video lessons, all as part of the same coaching program. I find that that, that generally creates confusion. Um, and in order for people to feel like they're getting all the information that they need, they've either got to assimilate all the information via all three methods, okay, or if they they decide to get into it because, you know, they want all of the information, but you've got it out there in audio, video, and a reading. Let's say somebody says, hey, I just want to listen to it. Well, you've got to put all of the information in each one of the medium. And I just, I find that that is just duplicitous. And it, it's much better to simply deliver it via one of those paths. Now, that's not to say, let's say that you have an audio program but there's a particular point that you could probably make better by writing it, and then you could create a, a five-page tutorial, written tutorial that goes along with the audios, and it's, that's just the one place they get that one piece of information. Or let's say that 95% of your material you could deliver via audio, but 5% of it they really need to see it. And so then you could do a video just for that one 5%. Okay? So... And I'll, I'll get back into making the decision on which one of these to use in just a moment, but I'm going to kind of do a broad overview here. The second thing 
that I like to see in a coaching program. So we have our training core, and that's, you know, we've made a decision, audio, video, reading, that's our training core. But then what we'd like to see in a coaching program is an interactive element. Because interaction is really what changes a coaching program from just being training to coaching. Because coaching implies that there is going to be an interaction, that there's going to be a back and forth. Coaching implies that somebody can listen to the training or read the training or watch the training and say, okay, I have a question and I'd like to have that question answered. And by answering, by being available to answer that question, you enhance the learning experience of the person. And that's really the biggest difference between having, let's say, a home study course that people study on their own and don't have any interaction and a coaching program is the idea that they're able to interact. Okay, now, for interaction, we have a, a number of different things that we can do. We have a number of, of different paths we could take, and I'll just throw a few of them out there. One would be email. People can access you via email. Another would be telephone calls. People could access you via telephone calls. Another could be video conferencing. Another could be a blog, a private blog. Another could be a private forum or a forum that's just for the coaching members. So just some ideas there. However, once again, I recommend that you choose one primary method of communicating for the interactive element. Okay, now when I say choose one, maybe there's a backup. Okay, so, and, and maybe we could even say that there's two, but there's a, there's a preferred method. So, you know, and I'll get into more detail on this, but I'll just give one example. Let's say that, that you're going to choose two, email and interactive form. And so if you chose two, then, then you choose which one is going to be the primary method. Okay, so what I like to do for the primary method is the one that's the easiest to do and requires the least work on your part. Okay, and so if we were to compare these two, email and forum, forum's easier because once it's set up, somebody asks the question on the forum, you can answer it, and it's there for everybody else to see as well. So if they have the same question, they'll never have to ask it again. Okay, that would be primary, but then if for some reason that you just couldn't figure things out for this client via the forum communication, then you could switch to email. Okay, or let's say that in another example, you choose your two are going to be email communication and one-on-one telephone calls. Okay, which one's more efficient for you? The one that's more efficient for you is email communication, so that's going to be your primary form of communication. However, if you just can't figure something out with somebody via email, then you could get on the phone with them. Okay, and I'll go through some additional scenarios here and help you choose which ones will work better for you, give you some ideas on how you can choose what will work better for you. But the central idea here is that you have an interactive element, possibly you have two interactive elements, but one of them is the one that you're going to really focus on driving people to use that particular interactive element. Okay, now, the third thing that I like to see in a coaching program that I believe takes a coaching program to the next level is accountability, an accountability track. Okay, now, I've, I, I've already said that what I believe distinguishes a coaching program from a training program is the interactive element. 
And I really believe that you need that interactive element to be able to call it a coaching program. However, I don't believe that you need accountability to call it a coaching program. However, I believe that if you add in accountability, two things happen. Number one, you get better results from clients. And number two, you're, in many, many cases, you may be the only or one of the only coaches in your niche that adds accountability into your program, which allows you to have a competitive edge. Now, of course, that's different from niche to niche. You know, maybe in your niche it's just totally standard and wouldn't give you that competitive edge. But, hey, in that case, you, you probably really need to include it simply to, to not necessarily be competitive, but to just be in the game. Okay. So what could accountability look like? And maybe before we talk about what could accountability look, look like, let's talk about how accountability can help someone. You see, in, in today's world, no matter how badly someone wants what you have, no matter how badly they want to get the result that they want, that they're paying you to be able to get, Okay? No matter how badly they want that, life tends to get in the way. Okay? Meaning that, let's just do an example here. You know, people join a, let's just say you've chosen a 12-month coaching program, and we'll get into the length of the program shortly. But let's just say that you've chosen a 12-month coaching program, and people get involved, and they say, okay, I want to accomplish these things. Now, what typically happens is the first week or two, they're really, really, really excited about all the things that they're working on, and, and they make an effort to put more time into working on it in their life. And it's what they think about when they wake up in the morning. It's what they think about when they go to bed at night. Maybe they're not sleeping as, as much because they're working on this. However, after a couple of weeks, it's really, really easy to say, you know what? I've got to get my sleep back. I've got to get my TV back. I've got to spend more time with with my friends, whatever the case is, and it's really, really easy for them to back away from putting the same time and effort into doing the work to get the results after the first few weeks. Well, without accountability, it's really easy for someone to go months just doing a little bit here and a little bit there, and then all of a sudden wake up one day and go, well, I've been in this program for six months and I haven't really accomplished very much. If you look at what went on in, in, in the, the kind of a time frame for that individual, they accomplished a lot the first two or three weeks. It's the last five months that they weren't getting the results. And why is that? Well, again, we have this decline in energy. We have this decline in, in excitement. Now, what, what I found is that when you add accountability in, it reminds people every single week. That, hey, I'm in a program, I'm in a structured program, I paid to be in this program, I'm wanting to get this training, and because of the fact that I've got to report in this week, I'm going to make an effort to do something this week that I probably wouldn't have done. So let's just create an example of that. Let's, let's just say that we have a weekly accountability program. At the end of every week, let's say Friday afternoon, your client is required to send you a report, a document, you know, maybe it's a word processing document, whatever they, it's a report that says what they've accomplished that particular week in working with you. Okay, now if you've done your part and given them the training, well, they know what to do. Okay, now, if there's no accountability, a lot of times people get to Thursday or Friday of the week and they say, well, 
you know what? I haven't done anything on this this week, but, you know, the week's almost over, and next week's a new week, and I'll just work on it next week. Now, that's okay sometimes. But what often happens is, well, next week rolls around, and Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, things come up. And, you know, it's the end of the week, and we haven't done any more work. And, you know what? It's Friday. Let's put it off till next week. What I've found is when I put in accountability with my clients, I, you know, I even get emails sometimes from people that say, you know, something along the lines of, you know, it's Wednesday afternoon, it's Thursday morning, I haven't done anything, and but I've got to write that email on Friday, so I better get to work. And so what happens is they find a way to rearrange their schedule to get the job done this week. Now, does, does this week make a big difference in the big picture? No. However, it makes a big difference when we look at kind of a snowballing effort meaning that if they actually accomplish something this week, then next week they're more motivated to do whatever it is that they have scheduled for next week. And week after week after week, they tend to get more results. And I'll give you some specific examples of how you can do accountability. However, in this overview, just want to make it clear that, you know what, just this idea that, that Accountability is incredibly important, and I believe that if you add it into your program, you will get better results with your clients. Okay, so let's move on, and we'll move to, let's get more specific about everything that I've just shared with you. So let's go back to the training core, and let's talk about the types of training or the methods of training that you could offer. And now, for the most part here, we're talking about an online coaching program, which can include, you know, commonly includes a telephone interactive element, but, but we're not talking about a coaching program that's face-to-face -face physically right there in your locality. So probably your three choices for being able to deliver the information are audio, print, and, and video. And so I'll just do a quick pros and cons of each. And let's start with print. Um, the, the pro of print is, you know, people can scan it, they can look at it really, really quickly, and they can say, uh, okay, these are the things I need to do, let me go do them. Okay, that, that's the pro to print. And the con to print is exactly, it, it, it's kind of the flip side of that, it's that coin, and that is if people are not required to have much time invested in learning the material, they may come away thinking, that it's not as important, meaning that if it takes someone an hour to study some material, they may believe at the end of studying it that it's more important than if they were to skim a document in five minutes and come away with some salient point. What happens is, what I've noticed is, in my own testing, is that when somebody invests more time in learning the material, they tend to be more, they tend to put more effort into implementing the material. And so what that means is that the con to offering written instruction is that people will zoom through it, skim through it, take out one point, say, okay, I'm going to try to implement this, but because they haven't, they haven't because they skimmed the material rather than really studying it, which they would have done probably with audio or video, because they skim it, 
they probably don't get all the nuances of implementing whatever it is, and resultantly, they don't. They, they don't get the same results out of the material. The second con to a written material is that it takes longer for you to produce. You know, one of the things that I'm real big on in, in building your coaching business is that if you've got to be efficient for you, meaning that if you can, if you can coach 100 clients in the same amount of time it takes someone else to coach 10, and let's say you charge the same price, then your revenue stream is going to be 10 times what the other person is. I mean, obviously, I just threw out that number of 100 to 10 ratio. But any time that we're able to improve our efficiency, in any place where we're able to improve our efficiency, it allows us to either take on more clients and make more money or work less and make the same amount of money. And of course, that's a personal decision for everybody. You know, hey, do I want to work more or work the same and make more money or do I want to work less make the same amount of money but have more free time. Okay, so in from your perspective, you know, your decision in how you're structuring your coaching program, a lot of it's going to have to do is, hey, is my priority to make more free time for myself or is my priority to make more money than someone else with the same amount of time, for example. So let's just say that we have a specific amount of information that we're going to get out there and let's just say that we have two options. One is to record the information. Let's imagine that it takes one hour to record a given amount of information. My experience tells me that if it takes me one hour to physically record a certain amount of information, it may take three to five hours to type that same information out. Meaning that if I'm just typing out my lessons, they may take three to five times as long is if I simply record the lesson. And so in my opinion, that's another con to the written word uh, for a coaching program. Third, third is perceived value. And so let's say we have exactly the same amount of information. It's spread out over 10 lessons. We have two choices. We can send out 10 one-hour audio trainings once a week for 10 weeks, or we can send out 10 30-page PDFs of exactly the same information over 10 weeks. Which one has the highest perceived value? Now, please keep in mind, it has exactly the same information in it. In this hypothetical example, both, both programs contain exactly the same amount of information. Okay, and then obviously the one caveat is that some people prefer one or the other, and that may change the price they're willing to pay. But what I have found is that on average, people will pay more for audio than they will for the print. Okay, so let's just put a hypothetical price on this. People might be willing to pay $300 for 10 print lessons. They might be willing to pay 1000 or 1200 for 10 audio lessons. Same exact material. The perceived value of the audio tends to be higher. Okay, so let's talk about audio. In fact, instead of talking about audio, let's talk about video. Let's talk about video next. Okay? So video would be recording an experience so people are able to see whatever it is that you're attempting to teach them. And so video is really very handy. A pro with video is if you're teaching someone something that they need to see, 
for example, swimming or cooking or karate or, uh, a, you know, a, a golf swing, then video would be very, 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 very handy. Okay. And so in, in niches where people can really see it, then it helps them. know that that would really be possible to do a good job of it with the written word or, or just audio. I, I, my guess would be that you know, with swimming, with karate, with a golf swing, you know, with a softball pitch, you, the video would, would, would almost be necessary. Okay? So obviously, you have to make a decision in your niche, hey, how, how important is the video? Okay. So if it's important, if that's really the only way to show somebody, well, video should be the way to go. However, if, if after some contemplation you realize that you can teach something as effectively via audio as with video, hey, audio is a whole lot easier to do than video. Audio requires less resources. It requires less computer resources. It requires less memory. It requires less bandwidth. Let's transfer bandwidth. Um, audio is simply easier to do than video. And so, obviously, if something requires video, then it doesn't make any difference how much more difficult it is. If it requires it, that's how you do it. However, my experience is that most niches that, you know, most, most niches that I see that people are involved in attempting to do coaching, most of the time the video is not necessary. And if that's the case, I recommend going with audio over video for the simple reason that it's simply easier to do. And it goes back to this idea, what's the easiest way for us to deliver the coaching and get the best results at the lowest cost to ourselves and be able to charge the most possible for those results. So let's talk a little bit about audio. Audio, of course, we can teach anything we can put in the printed word, we should be able to teach via audio, unless we're looking at some stack of statistics. And many things that you can show via video can be spoken about using audio. And so audio, I just find that audio across the board, with obvious exceptions for things like golf swings and softball pitches, audio wins in terms of delivering coaching. So let's now talk about the interactive element. So when should we use what method? Let's first of all let's identify what those methods could be. Some popular ones are email, email communication, uh, forum communication, blog communication, telephone communication, whether one-on-one -on -one or small group or large group, or instant message, chat, Skype types of communication. And so those are your primary sources of interaction. Now, before I kind of get into some pros and cons, let me preface it with the idea that I really believe that in choosing which method that you want to use, it probably should be the method that is easiest for you and works for the client. Okay? Now, notice I didn't say easiest for the client and works for you. I said easiest for you and works for the client. 
Okay, now, when I say works, what I mean is that it works relatively well. Okay, so it's not something that although they could do, it's, it's really cumbersome for them to do. Okay, but that it works for them. It works for them well enough that it's the price that you're charging, they're willing to do it your way. And, and what I've found with most, co most coaching clients is if they value your information and you are available a certain way, then that's how they will communicate with you. And that, that's what I've found. And so, therefore, I believe that you should do what works easiest for you. Let's talk about what's easiest for you. It's going to be different for different people, and let me explain that. For someone who is operating an online business while operating another business or while running a household and raising several children that are at home all the time or running a business while, well, like I said, either running another business or doing something else and you're also willing to sort of be available 24-7 Okay, because you're kind of sandwiching into everything else that you do. Well, for you, the most efficient method of communicating with clients might be instant chat or Skype or text messaging. Okay? However, for someone who wants to work 9 to 5 and wants to only be available on their computer, then possibly the easiest way for that person to run their coaching program would be email or instant chat. For another individual that says, I want to run this business, but I only want to be available to clients two hours a day, let's say 10 to 12 Monday through Friday, you know, then maybe for that individual, again, email might be an option. Obviously, anything could be an option if we put hours on it, okay? But maybe for that individual, the easiest thing to do would be to say, you know what, I'm available. I have office hours from 10 to 12 Monday through Friday. Here's the telephone number to call between 10 and 12 Monday through Friday if you need help. Any other time, I'm not available. Okay. And so it really depends on what, you, what works for you personally. You know, are you the type of person that would rather set aside two hours to do all your coaching or would you rather be able to just answer people's questions as they come in? And, and for some people, that decision is going to be different. And operating for everybody, the decision is going to be, in some way, it's going to be different from person to person. And that's really got to be a personal decision. So having said that, let's look at how the different, different ones could work and, and how clients can get the most out of it. And let's start with, we'll just pick any one, we'll start with, say, instant message chat. You know, how, you know, how does that impact your client? Well, the ease of use is, hey, the client knows that at any time they have a question, they just, they just begin to communicate with you via instant chat. And they can do it maybe on their smartphone or cell phone. They can do it on their computer. You know, any, any way that they're able to communicate, they're able to get the information almost immediately when you're online. Okay. Let's move up to, let's say, email communication. You know, again, as long as the person is able to connect via the Internet, then they're able to communicate via email. The answers might not be as quick, but they're still going to be able to get those answers, and they're probably going to get them in a timely fashion. And let's talk about, then, telephone communication. Let's say that we say, you know, we, we really we don't want to be available at all hours for email or at all hours for instant chat. 
And by the way, again, we can put hours on it. So we can say we're only available 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. We're only available 10 to 12 Monday through Friday. But it's through email and instant chat. With telephone, we may say, okay, we're going to do a weekly session. out of your voice, you say this works, this doesn't work, they're able to hear the tone of your voice, and that's able to add to their experience. Now, the drawback to telephone, obviously, is that it has to be at some type of scheduled time, um, unless you're the very rare person that, that might want to say, okay, you know, I've priced it in such a way that as long as you call during office hours, you, you know, call my personal office or personal cell phone anytime as long as it's, during, as it's during certain office hours. But in most cases, most people are going to be limiting the hours that they are available via the telephone. And so the, the obvious advantage to the client is, hey, I get to physically talk with my coach. The disadvantage is the hours are limited. Okay? And once again, you have to make a decision about what really works well for you. Let's talk about blog and forum communication for just a moment before I begin to give you some scenarios where you can really decide, hey, how do I want to offer this interactive coaching element? Um, I'm, I'm not a huge fan of using a private blog or using forum communication. However, I know that some people do it. There's, there's one really useful thing about it, and that is that let's just say it is a private blog or it's a forum that you have set up just for your clients. If somebody asks a question and you answer that question, as long as you tag that response accurately and, and, and you make sure the title of the question matches what you're describing, then for future clients, you could say, hey, if you've got a question, search through, you know, search through the database of other people's questions first, and maybe you'll have your questions answered. So in the long run, if you have a lot of clients, then having a forum or a blog can, can almost serve as you know, storehouse of frequently asked questions, and then people can do much of their research on their own and, well, not communicate with you. Okay. Obviously, the more of that that you propose, the more you're moving away from an interactive element, and then you may end up considering changing the pricing to reflect that. Okay. Because the more interactive element that people get and use, then the more they tend to be willing to pay for the coaching. And so that sort of has to go into the model. For that reason, I'm just I'm not huge. I'm not just a huge fan, although it's something that can be done. I'm not a huge fan of that because I believe that if you do a really good job of creating good answers and putting them into this frequently asked questions database, you actually draw away from the interactive experience, which decreases the value of the program, which decreases in both in many cases the results that people are going to get. And so let's talk about how we might decide what works best for us. Okay, so let's just say that we have four or five options. We have email communication, we have uh, instant message or Skype-based communication, we have blog, we have forum, we have telephone, either group or one-on-one. -on -one. So how do we decide what we're going to include? We, we, again, as I said earlier, we don't want to include more than two. We want to have one that's primary. So how do we decide? Um, Part of that decision is going to be, hey, how many clients are you going to have? And if you're brand new and you're just starting out and you're only going to have two clients, you, know, you could offer one-on-one -on -one consulting and spend an hour a week with each client and 
that would only cost you two hours a week. If you had a thousand clients signed up, well, one-on-one coaching would be impossible. Group coaching would be, maybe begin to get tough. Okay, um, it, and really, if we're talking about a thousand, so we're kind of going to an extreme here. With a thousand, you may end up, you probably would even be in a position where you'd need to hire a helper to be able to answer standard questions. So, you know, 90, 95% of the questions that coaching clients ask are the same ones everybody else asks. So, again, you have two choices. One is to put them into a frequent last questions database. The other is to hire an assistant that answers all of the questions that are the 95% that everybody asks, and then that assistant forwards you the 5% that are unique, and then you answer those personally. But let, let's say that you go to something more realistic for one person to handle, because that's really what we're talking about here. And keep in mind, you can scale your coaching business as much as you want. You can have 10,000 people in your coaching program, but as your coaching program grows, you'll have to scale it where you have some help. We're talking about a one-person coaching shop here. Let's say you have 100 clients. You know, do you want to talk with all of those one-on-one? Probably not. Could you manage those in a group scenario? Yes, I believe that you could manage those in a group scenario. Um, what we generally find is that if we schedule a group coaching call um, with new coaching clients, people that have been in a coaching program for less than six months, about a third of them tend to show up every week. The rest simply listen to a recorded version of the live coaching. So if you have 100 people in a coaching program, you'll only have 30, 35 that show up. If the coaching program is older, meaning that the average person that's been in the coaching program has been there for a year, year and a half, you may find that only 10% of the people signed up actually show up. Everybody else listens via the recorded method. Okay. So if you're willing to do telephone communication, if you're willing to do small group telephone communication, then the group option can work really, really well. And obviously, you've got to be willing and comfortable with doing a doing the telephone coaching aspect of it. Okay? Now, let's talk about email coaching. Email coaching is um, it's highly convenient for the client. They can send you a question at midnight if that's when they have their question, if that's when they're working on whatever it is that you're teaching them, and then you can respond at 9 o'clock the next morning when you log in for work. And so, so, and obviously, instant message is the same thing. As, as long as the instant message has a capacity for holding messages until you're online again, such as something like Skype, then it works very, very, very similarly. But let's let's say that it's email. They send you an email at midnight last night. You're able to respond to that email today at nine o'clock. You're able to answer their questions. They have additional questions. They send those questions back, and it works back and forth. Um, it works really well for most clients. And, you know, I think that the biggest thing in making that decision is, hey, do you like using email? You know, if you're doing this coaching this way, you want to choose a method of this interactive communication that you personally like. Will it work well for you? Now, once you've made that decision, hey, which of these methods am I going to use? What works well for me? How can I manage my time best? Let's talk about time management. You know, if you're doing group coaching, you may limit it to an hour or two a week. If you're doing one-on-one coaching, you've probably limited it to some number of of hours that someone is buying to work with you, an hour a week, an hour a month, two hours a month, whatever the case. Email communication, um, you need to have a handle on that. I don't like limiting the number of emails that somebody can ask um, simply because most people don't ask too many, okay? And by being able to position it as unlimited email access, um, it makes people feel really comfortable about getting involved. And uh, so it just makes it a huge selling point 
And so let's say we sign up 100 clients on unlimited email access, 99 of those 100 are going to be very respectful and send you a question or two a week, which, you know, if you had 100 clients sending you a question or two a week, you'd have 100 to 200 emails to respond to every week. And if you price the program appropriately, then that's probably something that could fit into, you know, working uh, probably even just part-time on your business. I mean, my goodness, if you had 100 emails a week, that'd be 20 a day to respond to. You know, it may take you an hour's worth of work. If you have 100 people in a coaching program that pays, um, you know, let's just say it's, you know, $300 per client per month, well, that would be $30,000 a month for, you know, an hour's worth of interactive uh, time every single day. And, and again, it really depends on what you're pricing it at, how many clients you have, et cetera, et cetera. However, there's one restriction that you can put on unlimited email access that I find works really well, and that is to simply limit your working hours. Okay? So your working hours may be 9 to 5 Monday through Friday. They may be 8 to 4 Monday through Thursday, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And the way that that works is they can email you at any time, but you're only going to answer emails during your working hours. Another restriction that you can put on email, if you, if, if you choose to, um, I've seen people do this. Um, I do this occasionally if I, if I have personally have a client that is uh, not implementing the work, but just asking lots of questions and then not implementing the work, and that would be a policy that says I answer either one of two ways. We either answer one question you do the work. Once that's done, take another question. Okay, I'm not a big fan of that. I'm really not. Um, however, if you've got a client that's just not doing the work, I believe that that's an effective way to go. And the other is to take one one answer per day. Okay, so one question per day is the limit. And then, you know, once I've responded to that question the following day, you could send another question, for example. Again, I, what I've found a huge success with is just simply having it as unlimited email, these are the hours that I'm working, and then if you do have somebody that's not implementing the material the way that they should, then, then work with that person on an individual basis to find out what, what works well for them. Okay, let's move on now to accountability. So we, we've talked about, I've talked about why accountability works really well. Um, let's talk about how what that accountability could look like. What are some ways that people could be accountable? Okay, one would be, uh, let's say they create a spreadsheet, and then, you know, it really depends on what you're working on, but let's say we can create a spreadsheet with a column for certain results that they're expected to do, and then maybe every single day you have a new line on the spreadsheet, and they mark off on the spreadsheet what they're doing. And they could have a running uh, Word document, a word processing document that, that they document every day what they do, almost like a log or a journal. And then at the end of the week, they send it to you, or at the end of the month, they send it to you. Um, they could even send it to you on a daily basis. They could send you an email at the end of every day. They could send you an email at the end of every week. They could send you an email at the end of every month. Okay, so... Uh, we've got a few ideas here. We can, they can send you the information via word processing document. Depending on the niche, they could send you the information, the accountability via spreadsheet, or they could send you the information via simply an email that they send out to you. Okay, now, if we've got really creative, you know, hey, they could send you information via voicemail. 
They could <laughs> they could report on the let's say you have a weekly group coaching call that everybody could report their results. Those are creative methods. If you have a very high-priced coaching program with a few number of clients, that's something that might work well. Hey, it's something extra that you give people that pay into your highest-level coaching program. However, taking the voicemails or having everybody report on the weekly call is something that is time-consuming, and so therefore, unless you're charging appropriately, I don't believe that's a good way to do accountability. You want to have an accountability program that allows them to be accountable it's easy for you to look at their results, but it doesn't take you a whole lot of time to look at those results, okay? So that the onus of performance for the accountability is going to be on them, okay? The, the accountability is something that they do. You know, because they're reporting to you, because they are accountable to you, the results that they get are primarily because of the fact that they, they know that you are going to be looking at those results, okay? However, you want to structure accountability in such a way that you're not required to necessarily comment on all, those, all of those results. Okay? So, for example, let's say you had 100 clients in a program. They were sending you a daily email indicating their results. You want to be in a position where you're not, you don't have to read all of those emails every single day. If you do read them, if you do scan them, if you have an assistant that compiles them all into a report for you, but it's something you can look at, and only when you see a problem or you see something where you want to send someone a claim, congratulations, that's when you actively get involved. Okay. So the next question would be, well, do we want daily communication? Do we want weekly communication? Do we want monthly communication? Okay. And, and so we have this spectrum. Okay. The, and, and let me say this. If we move from daily to weekly to monthly, the client is going to get the best results for daily accountability, they're going to get lesser results with weekly and then even lesser with monthly. They're still going to get more results with monthly accountability than they would with none. They're going to get more results with weekly accountability than they would with monthly accountability. They're going to get more results with daily accountability than they would with weekly accountability. Okay? However, you have to ask yourself, you know, how often am I willing to take some time to take a look at these results? Now, keep in mind, even if they're coming in every single day, you don't necessarily have to read those emails every single day. But at some point, you have to be organized enough to know what is going on so that you can offer congratulations and you can say, hey, you know what, you are sliding. You're not sending the emails when you should. What can we do to improve your accountability? And so, therefore, weekly may end up being something that works better for you. Again, it has a lot to do with how many clients you have. You have five clients. At any price point, hey, you know what? You could have unlimited email access. You could have daily accountability emails, and you could take 10 minutes a day to respond to each and every one of those individuals. You grow the business to where you have 20 clients, you know, then you may have two levels of coaching. You may have a coaching that includes accountability at one price, does not include accountability at another price. That way you're being paid for the marginal time that you're spending on that accountability program. Or you could have several levels of coaching. You could have a coaching that has no accountability. You can have coaching that has monthly accountability. And you can have coaching at a higher price that includes daily accountability. Okay? And so what you've really got to do is make a decision for yourself. And, and, and we'll talk about in just a moment about decisions, and not necessarily decision tree, but you know, how do you make these decisions and how do you make something that works well for you and for the client. But when you're you 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 you've got to make a decision on this accountability that works well for you that you're willing to commit to and works well for the client. 
Okay, now, a big piece of how well it's willing to work or, or how well it's going to work for you is how much you charge. If you're not charging enough for the coaching, then the time that you put in, you're going to feel like you're being cheated out of being paid because you didn't charge enough. You charge more for coaching, it makes it easier to be willing to kind of go the extra mile with the time. So it's critical that you charge enough for especially your highest level coaching that includes maybe daily accountability, includes unlimited email access, and includes some telephone time. Okay, so, you know, without getting into a whole lot of details on pricing right now at this point, perhaps the thought is in your mind, hey, I really want to have a top-level coaching program. I want to charge a high price for it, but I know that most people may not be willing to pay for the highest-level coaching. What do we do with all those other clients? What I say is, hey, have two coaching programs. Have one for people that's a lower price that has less interaction. Have another coaching program that's a higher price and has more interaction. Okay, let's talk about the decision. You know, and, and maybe before the decision, let's look at just kind of think about a big overall. You know, just kind of sum up everything that we've just looked at. Okay, so what we've looked at right now is several different ways that you could present the training. So you've got PDFs, you've got audios, you've got video training. You know, you've got interaction. So we have you know email access, group telephone access, one-on-one -on -one coaching access, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and then we have accountability. We have daily accountability, weekly accountability, monthly accountability, et cetera, et cetera. So how do you decide what's going to work well for you? Okay, let's start with the training core. Obviously, if you're in a niche like karate or swimming or softball or golf where people need to see what's going on, then the answer is kind of made for you. It needs to be video. Okay? So the, the decision is made for you. If you're in a niche... You know, let's just say it's software development, and you've got to be able to show people lines of code, well, then the default for you might be, or could be video if that works best, but, you know, that might maybe the written word. My guess is that for most people, for most niches, teaching the material audio in an audio fashion, just like what I'm doing right here, is probably going to be the best choice for most people, for most coaches, with the exceptions that I've mentioned. And with the classes of exceptions that I've mentioned. And I think that makes that part of the decision really, really easy. Okay? So let's summarize that. Okay? Um, I hate to make blanket statements, but let's just make one and say all coaching should be audio unless circumstances dictate that it really be better with video or print. Okay? So start with the premise that your coaching is going to be audio unless something, some part of it or all of it needs to be print or needs to be video. Okay, the next step then would be to choose the form of interaction. Okay? And if we had kind of a spectrum of interaction, then we have, let's say that, let's say that blogs and forum posts are the, the, the uh, lowest level of interaction and then one-on-one -on -one telephone is the highest level of interaction. If we were to stack these, we might say private blog, then forums, then email, then instant message, then uh, group telephone, and then one-on-one. -on -one. So from lowest involvement to highest involvement, the way that I just listed. Now, with lowest involvement to highest involvement, you could have office hours, you could have limited office hours, you could have 24-hour access. So for any one of these, you could have varying levels of access. So if we just pick one, we say email access, 
It could be 24-hour email access. It could be 8-hour email access. It could be 2-hour email access, whatever the case is. Okay, so how do we choose what works best for you? I, I think the first place to start is, hey, deep down in your gut, what would you feel more, most comfortable with? I mean, if, if instant chat is just jumping out in your mind as, wow, I, that'd be really easy for me. I carry my smartphone wherever I go, and it'd be really easy for me to spend five minutes, an hour coaching people instead of spending two hours a day. Okay? If that's what's jumping out at you, hey, that's what I would say, hey, that's the way that you need to communicate. You know, email communication is jumping out at you as an option. I'd say, hey, go with that. If telephone communication is jumping out at you, then, hey, go with that. Okay? Now, in the absence of something jumping out, um, let me just offer my thoughts. I find that group communication, group coaching communication, if, you know, if you feel comfortable speaking on the phone, I find that it's a really, really easy and efficient way to deliver the coaching. I, I, that's my personal opinion. I personally believe it's a lot more efficient than email. And so let's just talk about that. Let's say that we have 100 coaching clients. We have a choice between unlimited email and a, a two-hour telephone call every week. Well, a two-hour telephone call is going to cost me two hours of telephone time, two hours of time every single week. Unlimited email access could cost me a half an hour to an hour every single day. Probably the unlimited email access is going to take me more time than the telephone call. But even if the time was exactly the same, personally, I'd rather do all of the coaching in one block than in five smaller blocks. And again, you have to decide what works better for you. Or you'd rather do five smaller blocks than one bigger block. It has to sort of work for you. If we compare, for me personally, instant messaging versus email, I like email a whole lot better because of the fact that, you know, I, I, even if I put office hours on instant message, if I use the instant message for anything else, hey, I'm going to see that those requests are coming in. I'm going to feel tempted at 8 o'clock or 9 o'clock at night to go ahead and answer those requests, and I'm going to lose control of my time. Whereas email make it a lot easier for me to just say, okay, I'm going to have a dedicated coaching email uh, address. I'm only going to open that address from 9 to 5. It's really easy to put a constraint on my time. And so I'm really big on this idea that you're creating this coaching program to increase revenue, but you should also be doing it to create time freedom in your life. And the more limits that you can put on that coaching access, you know, by moving towards limited hours, and in my opinion, that's easier to do with voice than it is with anything else, okay, then I believe that you will enhance the long-term experience of you delivering the coaching program. And I believe that enhancing your long-term experience is important, you know, because, you know, let, let's just let's just let's just be, uh, you know, but let's just heart to heart here, okay? And everybody's different, okay? But let's just say that the reason you're getting into coaching, obviously, your number one reason is I want to help people, okay? But let's get let's get down to the nuts and bolts. Why coaching? I mean, why not a nine to five job? Why not an office job? Why not? And there's lots of different ways that you can help people. Hey, why coaching? Well, but I find the biggest reason for people wanting to do coaching is, hey, I can have lots of flexibility in my life. I can make good money. I have this flexibility in my life. I can do the coaching from wherever. I can travel. I can have free time, et cetera, et cetera. Okay, and so if that's why you're coaching, because you can have this free time, because you can have this time flexibility, because you can 
kind of engineer your lifestyle, then hey, you want to design your coaching program in such a way that it fits, it dovetails nicely with engineering your lifestyle. Just give you an example. Let's say that right now you have a nine-to-five job. You say, I'm going to replace my income with something that I can take wherever I want to go. I can travel. Um, I can work whenever I want to. I have all of this flexibility, so I'm going to build a coaching program. When the coaching program makes me as much money as my day job, I'm going to quit my day job and just coach. That's all wonderful. Okay? However, if you look two years down the road, you're making as much money as you were before, and you're fine, you're working the same number of hours, you're working nine to five, you're, you're spent, takes you the same amount of time, all you've done is traded a job working for someone else for a job working for yourself. And my guess is that's not what you want to do in creating your coaching program. You, you, you know that you have to do the work. Okay? But you want to structure it in such a way that it's not just another job, that you can literally do it when you want to at your, I don't want to necessarily say at your leisure, but you don't, in my opinion, you don't want to be tied to saying, I have to work every day nine to five to satisfy all my coaching client needs. And I believe that based on what I've given you, you can engineer it so that you don't have to do that. Okay? Um, and let, now let's talk about accountability. So we've got the spectrum of accountability, you know, we've got, you know, realistically, we've got, a, you know, a few different things. Um, we, can, we can have a written accountability, a word processing document. We can have a, um, we can have a spreadsheet type of accountability, you know, just depending on your niche. Or we can have people sending an email. And the question really is, I think, deep down inside, hey, how do you want to process it? Just to give you an example, I prefer having people send me an email. I, I use email communication for just about every communication that I do. And so, hey, the email account's open. It's there. I can see the email when it comes in. I, I'm a pretty fast reader. I can see it. I can internalize it. And it's right there. It's not, a, it's not something else that I have to do. If it's a word processing document, then I'm going to need to open the word processing document and look at it and study it. Now, let's just say that it's a monthly accountability. I make a really big deal about the monthly accountability a week before it's due. I'm going to send people information that says, hey, you know that deadline's coming. If you haven't finished this month's project, get to work on it. You know, if I'm really making it like it's this big homework assignment and I want to put a little bit of effort into that, then maybe I can get some great results from clients doing monthly word processing based accountability or spreadsheet based accountability and then it's worth my time to open up all of those documents at the end of the month. And, and so you really got to pick and choose what works well for you. Okay, before we close this out, let me say this next. Okay, and I'm kind of giving you, I, I've really, I'm really erring on the side of, look, choose what works for you. I, I really am. I'm choose what works for you. If your clients really don't like the way that you're doing one part of it, they'll let you know. And then you can amend it. You can say, you know what, this monthly accountability is not working. Let's switch it to weekly and let's change the way we're doing it. You see, you're not locked in forever and ever on doing things a certain way. You can start with audio and say, you know what, I really need to switch to video. You can start with video and say, hey, I really need to switch to audio. You know, whenever you make these kinds of changes, involve your coaching clients. You know, you don't want to just send out an email that says, okay, starting tomorrow, I'm turning things around and we're going to do this different, we're going to do this different, we're going to do that different. You, if you're going to make a change, you want to involve them, you want to ask questions, 
You want to tell them why you're making the change. You want to tell them why you believe it's better for them. Okay? And you may want to be honest and, and tell them why it's better for you. But all of that to say that just because you choose to do it one way when you first start doesn't mean that you're tied to that way for the rest of your life or for the rest of the life of your, of your coaching program. Okay, I believe, let me just take one more quick look at my notes on, uh, on teaching. The structuring of your coaching program. It looks like I've covered everything that I wanted to, and so what I'd like to do now is just open um, this training up for any questions or, or comments on anything that I've just talked. Sean? Hi. Yes. Can you hear me? This is Beverly. Yeah, I sure can, Beverly. Okay, great. wasn't sure if I was on mute or not. Okay. <laughs> I have one question. Back when you were talking about which media to use, whether it be print or audio or video, um, what about the concept of of doing two at a time? So, for example, like a, um, an e-book and maybe a 20-minute audio or something like that, or maybe the audio is a, is a bonus or something like that. Uh, what do you think about that? I believe that if you, if you do that in such a way that you have a primary method of delivery and then you have an alternate method of delivering some other portion of it and it makes your time commitment better, and it creates a better experience for the client, then, then yes, I would say, sure, go ahead and do that. Be very, very careful, however, that you don't create a scenario where you're basically duplicating the material through both methods, okay? Because if you do that and, and you're, dupli you're sending the same material out two different ways, you're simply doubling up the work that you have to do. And part of one of the things that I've really stressed with building your coaching program is the fact that it should be efficient, and it should be efficient for you. It shouldn't be something where you're forced to do more work than necessary to deliver a stellar experience for your client. Does, does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Okay. okay. And so having said that, my experience is that you'll do best when you have one method of delivery with a, an occasional alternate method. Okay? And, and there's one more kink that I'll throw into this, and, I'll, and, and this really kind of goes a little bit deeper, and for many clients this isn't going to be an issue. But what happens is when, when, you, ish, when, when you offer a coaching program, let's say that you offer a written coaching program and there's no audio at all, you are going to attract people into that program that want a written experience. In fact, some people who want an audio experience will not join your program because it's written. And the same thing obviously would occur with audio. Somebody wants a written experience and you have an audio program, you'll simply lose those clients. You know, what happens is if you choose to do both written and audio, you know, We've already ruled out the duplication, so we don't want to duplicate it and have to, you know, do the work twice. There's, there's no good reason to do the work twice, okay? We've ruled out that as an option, and we've also ruled out, although I, I guess I didn't spell it out word for word here, but I'll do it now, we're also going to rule out doing a transcript of the audio, and here's why. 
because if you do a trance, maybe even before I rule it out, if that's what you really, really want to do, a lot of people do it, go ahead and do it. I'll explain why I don't like to, and that is if you're doing an audio and you offer a transcript, what I have found is that most people will simply skim the transcript and get much less out of the coaching than if they were to listen to the material. Okay, and so when you give them the easier method, you know, the choice between listening to an audio for an hour and really learning the material or skimming the material for five minutes on, as they read the transcript, as they skim the transcript, sure, the client may feel like they're getting the information in five minutes instead of an hour, but because they skimmed the information, they didn't actually get the full experience, Meaning, which means that they're not going to get the same results, which means that they're not going to stay in your coaching program, which means that you're not going to make as much money, which means that you're going to have to come up with more clients, which means that you're probably going to end up reducing the price of your coaching program. So by adding transcripts, I know this is totally uh, counterintuitive, but by adding transcripts to your coaching program, you actually decrease the value of your coaching program. I know that sounds counterintuitive because... So many people out there add transcripts believing it adds value. However, long-term, I believe that it decreases value. Okay? So having kind of gone off on that trail to share that with you, let's go back to, and again, we've, we've, we've opted out of the idea of duplicating the work, actually writing and recording the same information. Let's now assume that we deliver 50% of the information via audio and 50% via the written work. What's going to happen is that you're going to have clients that sign up for your program. Very few people like both. Okay, so we say that most people have a primary method of wanting to get their information, written, audio, or video. Very few people are going to want both, meaning that if you have both, you're going to get some people in that want written, some people that want audio, but because of the fact that your coaching program only delivers 50% of the material written, 50% via audio, the people who want audio are going to get 50% via audio. They're not going to want to read the written, meaning they're going to want you to duplicate the written on an audio and vice versa. So the people that want it written, they're going to read the 50%. They're going to say, hey, I don't want to listen to get the other 50%. How can I get it? And, and then they drop out of the coaching program because you don't have all the information written. In my opinion, it's much better to simply target and say this is a written coaching program or this is a audio coaching program and then you will attract the people that learn best via that particular method. Does that make sense? Yes, it does. Thank you. That helps. Once again, I realize it's totally counterintuitive. I know that it goes against what my guess is most other people are doing out there in terms of you know wanting to try to please everybody. You know, there's an old saying that says you can't please everybody all the time. And what I find with coaching is that if you do a better job of pleasing some of the people, okay, you'll be able to charge more, you'll have a happier experience, your clients will be happier, they'll recommend you more often, et cetera, et cetera. But if you try to make your coaching program all things to all people, you will end up not being anything to anybody. Does that make sense? Yes. Excellent. Any other questions based on what I've taught in in this training? I don't have any other questions. Alrighty, excellent. Let's go ahead and close this out.